today is the sixth day of our summer seven-day session, 14th of January 2021, and we're going to take up a koan today, uh, Kyorin's Sitting Long and Getting Tired, which is uh, number 17 in the Hekigran Grohu, the Brewcliffe record. And I thought we'd do today and tomorrow two koans from the Hekigran Roku, since um, one of its compilers, uh, Shuido, um, actually the other one, uh, it's compiled, Hikang Roku is compiled by, by two um, masters, about um, 60 years between them. Um, the first one is Shuido Secho, whose dates are 980 to 1052. And then about 60 years after Shuido's death, Yuan Wu com added commentaries and, and remarks. His dates are 1063 to 1135. And Yuan Wu was Da Hui's main teacher. He gave him tra Dharma transmission. So the, the case uh, is very short. Uh, when we do the um, koans from the Hikigan Roku, we don't uh, take up the uh, verse or, or introduction or any of the other material which is voluminous for each koan. We just do the case. But since this is a particularly short case, um, I'll uh, add in the um, introduction, introduction, which is Yuan um, Wu's. His, his Japanese name, by the way, is Ingo. And um, We'll also add the uh, Secho's verse, that's Shuedo's verse. So we'll do introduction case and then the verse. So this is the introduction. Cutting through nails and breaking steel, for the first time one can be called master of the first principle. If you keep away from arrows and evade swords, you will be a failure in Zen. As for the subtle point where no probe can be inserted, that may be set aside for a while. But when foaming waves wash the sky, what will you do with yourself then? See the following. Which is the main um, case. A monk asked Kyorin, what is the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming from the West? Kyorin said, uh, sitting long and getting tired. That's our case. And then the verse. One, two, and tens of hundreds of thousands. Take off the muscle. Take off the muzzle and set down the load. If you turn left and right, following another's lead, I would strike you as Shiko struck Ryu Tetsuma. a little bit about um, Kyorin before we start um, looking at these. All the, all the names that we have in the, in the Hekian Roku that we use are the Japanized forms of the Chinese names so that his name in full, Kyorin Choon, in the Japanese form, Japanized form, um, his Chinese name 
uh, is Xianglin Chengyuan, and his dates are 908 to 987. We don't have a lot of material on Kyorin, but enough to give us give, give us a sense of him. Um, most of what I'll be reading is coming from um, Andy Ferguson's um, tome, Zen's Chinese Heritage, which is a collection of um, um, biographical material and teachings of um, many of the, of the Chinese masters. 291. So, um, Kyorin, Xianglin, Qingyuan, um, was a disciple of Yunmen, Wenyan. We know um, Yunmen more by his Japanese name, Omon, who appears in so many of the, uh, the koans. Kyorin came from the city of uh, Mianju in Hanzhou, uh, in, which is in present-day Sichuan province. As a youth, he entered uh, Jianxiang Monastery in Chengdu City, which is in Sichuan, and it is actually now a big centre for Vajrayana Buddhism. There, at the age of 16, he took his vows. some um, he later after after training with different masters he he um, traveled wildly quite widely and he eventually became um, at the Dharma heir of of Yunmen as we mentioned. Sekita relates a story of how um, he was trained under Yunmen. I think gives us a little insight into the, into what it might have been like to be under Ulmon, this great master. He was considered to be one of Ulmon's outstanding disciples. Sekita relates <coughs> that he followed Ormon for 18 years as his attendant. Every day Ormon called him, and when he answered, Yes, sir, Ormon would say, What is this? This continued for 18 long years. Then one day Kyorin exclaimed, Oh, I understand. This is in response to Ormon's, What is this? And then Ormon said, why don't you say it in a transcending matter, manner? Which is just a way of saying, how else can you say it? How can you, else can you express your understanding? And it said that he then spent another three years um, with Ormon um, to complete his 
his um, understanding of what this is. And Sigurdu comments, he was a great master but slow to mature. There are examples of this in the in the stories. Seppo is another famous one, friend of Ganto, who was younger than him but brilliant. But Seppo, Seppo took a long time to to mature, to to understand. He would um, say when. Um, Training later, when training his own monks, he would say, um, "Say it wasn't until I was 40 that I had really uh, penetrated into the truth or understood." more stories from him. These are from his uh, when he had already become a teacher. A monk asked, how is it that when one observes form, one thus observes mind? Xianglin Kyoran said, just when it comes, where does it return to? This is um, sort of echoes of of um, and, uh, koan. Um, all things return to the one. Where does the one return to? A monk asked, "What is the meaning of the phrase concealing the body in the Big Dipper?" Xianglin said. The moon like a curved bow, a light rain and a big wind. A monk asked, what is the mind of all Buddhas? Xianglin said, clarity, from beginning to end, clarity. A monk asked, how can I understand this? Xianglin said, don't be deceived by others. A monk asked, what is the master's special medicine? Shanglin said, it's not other than a common taste. The monk said, how about those that eat it? Shanglin said, why not taste it and see? Always, always the masters are uh, hitting the ball back into the, into the questioner's court. A monk asked, what is the monk's true eye? Shangya Lin said, no separation. And there's a, um, a longer uh, passage which um, sets the scene in, in terms of... Um, 
his teaching of his of his uh, disciples. Kyorin, Shanglin, entered the hall and addressed the monks, saying, All of you who have been carrying your pack and bowl and have come here on pilgrimage, do you see yourself nature yet or not? If you haven't seen it, then come forward to speak. Let me repeat that. If you've seen it, then come forward to speak. We'll check you out and see. If you haven't seen it, then you've been cheated on your journey. So I ask all of you, you've been practicing for some time now, mindfully sweeping the ground and boiling tea, hiking in the mountains and enjoying the rivers, and you've got it nailed down, right? What do you call self-nature? All of you say, from the beginning to end, there's no change and no deviation, no high and low, no good and bad, no birth and death. But do you actually know this place? Do you know what it, this actually is? So, so we get this um, uh, sort of sense of what it might have been like in the monastery historically under his teaching. But at the same time, it's as if he's speaking to each one of us directly. Do you really know this place? Do you know what it actually is? He was himself asked about this daily for 18 years by his teacher. And when he finally said he understood, still Ulmon was pressing him. How else can you say it? Ulmon would have been testing to see whether his his understanding was, was kind of just limited or whether it was living, free, dynamic, not something learned, but something experienced. He continues, if here you know the place, then it's the realized Dharma gate of all the Buddhas. It is awakening to the way and seeing self-nature nature, from start to finish without doubt or design. And if you go off traveling, no one will question you. Then the words you're spitting out will have some actual basis in understanding. If a person were to buy a rice field, then he must get the original title to the property. If he can't get the original title, then the whole situation is uncertain. Then if there's any official inquiry about it, the person won't be able to hold on to it. If a person can't get the original title document, then someone else will take the property away from him. All of you who are practicing Zen and studying the way, you're also like this. Who here has managed to get the original title? Bring it out and let's see it. What is this thing you're calling the original title? Let everyone see it. If you're clever, then when you hear me speak in this manner, you'll know what to do. If you don't know what to do, then even if you go somewhere and learn a thousand strategies and memorize solutions until your mouth overflows like a river, it still won't avail you anything. You'll still be as far from yourself as the sky is from the earth. Go look right underneath your bowl and your clothes at your very body 
and if you see something, then come up here and speak and we'll examine it. I'll confirm what you say. If you can't find anything, then you're just passing your time like everyone else. When um, Kyoran Shanglin was about to die, he said goodbye to an official, probably one of his patrons for the temple, and told him, I'm going on a pilgrimage. Uh, another official who was there commented, that monk is crazy. Where's he going on a pilgrimage when he's 80 years old? But um, the patron official replied, when a venerable master goes on a pilgrimage, he goes or abides freely. Then he addressed the congregation, Kyoran this is, and said, for 40 years I've hammered out a single piece. And then uh, when he said, finished saying these words, he passed away. And a stupa was built for his, his relics um, near the monastery. For 40 years I've hammered out a single piece. He's been a kind of spiritual blacksmith, hammering one single piece of, of iron, his whole teaching career, all his life. It's one, just one, one message, one practice. Sekita says about this, a single piece. By this he meant that he had maintained his samadhi, both absolute and positive, unbroken throughout that time. We'll come back to this this um, um, distinction between uh, absolute and positive samadhi when we look at the uh, commentary. Oh, just one before we get on to the um, the introduction. Um, one other th thing um, about this Kyoran, his his teacher Yunmen Ummon was um, very strict, and he in many ways, and he um, forbade anybody to write down his, what he said. Um, and the the monks got around this um, by having Kyoran as attendant wear a paper robe and sh surreptitiously write down what Umun was saying when he was talking. 
imagine hard to imagine how you'd be able to do that secretly. Uh, but but that that's what we're told. And then so Kieran transcribed it, and then other monks gathered them together, and and so we we do have some of Ulmon's uh, words uh, left behind. Um, and uh, but in some ways, he very much followed in his teacher's footsteps. Um, you will have seen from those those teachings that he would often respond to a question with a single word, and this was very much what he what he um, got from Ulmon, who was famous for this. Very terse, very pointed responses to questions, perfectly suited to the mind state of the questioner. Okay, now we'll we'll go to the to the introduction to this this um, case. And this is this is um Engo's introduction, so that's Yuan Wu, Dahui's teacher. Cutting through nails and breaking steel, for the first time one can be called a master of the first principle. If you keep away from arrows and evade swords, you will be a failure in Zen. As for the subtle point where, where no probe can be inserted, that may be set aside for a while, but when the foaming waves wash the sky, what will you do with yourself then? See the following. Cutting through nails and breaking steel. Nails and steel are a way of talking about our attachments and our ignorance. And I'm sure most people can relate to the, the, those descriptions that they can feel um, hard and unbreakable. Um, but Yuan Wu says, well, that's, that's what a teacher's job is, to, to cut through and break these nails and steel. Actually, it's, it's um, more akin to pointing them out because really... Um, it's it's up to the student to do the to do the the, the cutting through and breaking, but um, the teacher can help the student clarify what those nails and steel are. Yeah, and he also talks about um, the teacher as the master of the first principle. Uh, in other words, of the ultimate truth. Kjolren said that he had just be um, beaten out one piece of tin his whole his whole career, and what that piece of tin was was mu. This. If you keep away from arrows and evade swords, you will be a failure in Zen. Um, to be pierced by an arrow or cut by a sword is painful. And, and uh, practicing Zen entails 
wounds of this kind, not so much to the body but to our uh, sense of self, our, our identity. And because of this, this um, self-identity that we have that is often quite hard and, and um, unbreakable, practicing Zen can be a struggle. Can be, it can be very painful to have one's shortcomings pointed out to one, whether it's the teacher or fellow practitioner. And, and this doesn't happen just once, but uh, over and over again. Or we see these things ourselves as we practice, as the mind settles. It really does take grit to practice. Determination to overcome all kinds of difficulties and hardships, uh, physical and emotional, to, to squarely face ourselves and to uh, not avoid looking at, at this stuff. As for the subtle point where no probe can be inserted, that may be set aside for a while. Um, what's the subtle point um, where no probe can be inserted? Um, Sekida says it's, it's, it's the condition of uh, what he calls absolute samadhi. And this means, um, this means complete absorption in our meditation subject. Uh, in, in absolute samadhi, it's, it's when we, we are silent, gathered, when the mind is, is looking back on itself, we're, we're not um, relating to the world at large, but, but intensely focused on our inner world, you could say. And Sekida says this is, this is when we get into this state, then, then nothing can penetrate it. It's, it's a state of complete gatheredness. But Yuan Wu says, but when the foaming, foaming waves wash the sky, what will you do your, with yourself then? This is, he's presenting the other side, what Sekida refers to as relative samadhi. In other words, joining with, um, not um, separating oneself from, all the turbulence and and manyness of our busy lives, all the things that require our attention and and uh, need us to respond. So our uh, careers, our jobs, our um, family members who need us, all our different kinds of commitments that we make to people. Um, friends, our duties as citizens, all of this stuff um, 
homing waves that reach the sky. In other words, that that um, uh, fill that that vast empty sky uh, with stuff. And and the question that one will asks here is, what will you do with yourself then? The subtle point where no um, probe can be inserted is one thing. But what about when everything is too much? And that's that's the end of the introduction. And he says, see the following. So this is a like a pointer for the 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 main case. Monk asked Kyoran, what is the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming from the West? Kyoran said, sitting long and getting tired. So first of all, there's this question, which um, comes up quite a lot in, in, uh, in Zen encounters. What is the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming from the West? Um, It's a kind of more uh, down-to-earth way of saying, what's the meaning of Zen? Bodhidharma was the, the last of the 28 Indian Dharma ancestors that connect us back to the Buddha himself, Shakyamuni Buddha. And he's considered to be the first of the Chinese ancestors. Sikita says, Bodhidharma endured three years of hardship on his voyage to China. He must have been possessed of great determination and have had a profoundly serious intention. Yet his first utterance in China in answer to Emperor Wu's question, what are the holy teachings of the Buddha, was um, uh, emptiness. In fact, what he said is vast emptiness, nothing holy. Past emptiness, nothing holy. Is that what he came to teach? He, then he retired to a temple and sat in meditation for nine years, gazing at a wall. This gave rise to the question, what is the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming from the West? One answer given to this is no meaning. In a word, it is a labor without reward. The sun shines all day and every day, and it works on endlessly. It is thankless work, yet the sun does not weary of it or wish it had not started. It keeps itself whole and concentrated, always in one piece. It keeps itself whole and concentrated, always in one piece. The sun, in fact, is burning itself up at every moment. It's it's a it's a wonderful image of um, 
ultimate generosity, our sun. Every second its substance is being reduced as it sends out its, its heat and light to give life to all of us. Unreservedly, not holding anything back, burning itself up. So we have Kyoran asked is asked by a monk, a student, what is the meaning of bodies dhammas coming from the West? What is the point of practice? What is why do we gather in, in monasteries and and uh, do this work? What is what what is the um, mission statement of the Zen school? And you know, this, this, this is a big, this big question he's asked. And he replies, sitting long and getting tired. Maybe it was the end of a long, a long uh, audience with his students. And he'd been sitting there on the teaching seat for a couple of hours. Sitting long and getting tired. When I sit for a long time, my legs get sore. Sikita says that this statement, sitting long and getting tired, is uh, the equivalent of the saying, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, I've never heard this before, but I'm guessing that it's something from Christian teaching. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. It's an, it's an interesting statement here. He continues, This answer of Kyoran's was greatly admired by Zen students. When sitting, you are sitting. When you get tired, you get tired. There's no irritation, no regret. You are as you are, all of a piece. This is the central topic of the case. Will you be able to say at the end of your life, I have sat long and got tired and am all in one piece? In the, um, in the longer uh, commentary we haven't read of uh, Yuan Wu's, he says, um, only Kyoran has cut off the tongues of everyone on earth. 
He says there's no place for us to make calculations or rationalizations. Sitting long and getting tired. He, one who calls these flavorless words, flavorless paraphrases and flavorless talk that, that blocks people's mouths. We, we need our mouths blocked at times. We think we can say Buddha or awake or Zen or I for that matter and that we've grasped what these things are. So frequently we, we take the label for the thing itself. We, we mistake the, the finger pointing for the moon. A, a large amount of Zen teaching is, is um, tries to address this um, shadow side of language. Language is an extraordinary thing to have and is so helpful in so many ways and creates, creates all kinds of um, opportunities for us as human beings, efficiencies, you could say, even. And yet it comes with the shadow side where, where we, we become adept at, at, with our tongues and, and think that we know. Another saying that, that tends to sum this up is, is Zen saying, a menu doesn't satisfy hunger. This is what Tenke says about Kyoran's response. And Tenke is a, a, a Soto, a Japanese Soto master about contemporary with um, Master Hakon. He says, if you sit for a long time, your legs hurt. There's nothing special. Our eyes are horizontal. Our noses are vertical. Everybody knows it, but they don't realize it. So he has simply let everyone know they breathe through their noses. In the here of sitting long, is there any Zen founder's meaning? If you call it a reply about the meaning of the Zen founders coming from the West, it's a sack of loofah skins a worn-out loincloth. I'm guessing, there isn't a footnote about this, but I'm guessing that a, a sack of loofah skins is rubbish, is something you throw away. Um, loofahs are those things made from lotus roots that, um, that are kind of like a, like a harsh sponge that you can um, use to clean yourself. So... It's rubbish. We'll come, we'll come back to Tenke in a moment. 
Okay, now the um, the verse. And this is from Setrio, the other other compiler of this text. One, two, and tens of hundreds of thousands. Take off the muscle and set down the load. Muzzle and set down the load. If you turn left and right, following another's lead, I would strike you as Shiko struck Ryu Tetsuma. Quite a lot to these four lines. First of all, one, two, and tens of hundreds of thousands. Um, paraphrase this as um, everybody all people Tenke says all people everybody gets tired if they sit for a long time their backsides ache the eyes are horizontal the nose is vertical everyone knows this but if you actually know you know it then views of Buddha and Dharma the blinders and baggage of emergence in the world and coming from the west are not there at all for you are in a state of liberty. So it's a different kind of knowing he's talking about here. To know we know. To know what is actually presented to us. Take off the muzzle and set down the load. Take off our, our, our blinders. Uh, let go of our, our baggage, all our different kinds of baggage that we carry that are such a burden to us. But the, the doing of this and, and what we discover when we do is, is what's been there all along. That our noses are straight. This is what, um, when asked what he had, had learned in, in China, Master Dogen said um, that my nose is vertical and my eyes are horizontal. Simply because people are unaware of what everyone knows, like the fact that their noses are straight, therefore things that are originally non-existent become burdens encumbering them. So we, we, we see things and we imagine they're solid and real. And that's what burdens us. We, we, we fix things in, in, in concepts and beliefs and opinions. So um, in the verse, Setra is inviting us to to throw off these these burdens by seeing directly. And then the last two lines, if you turn left and right, following another's lead, I would strike strike you as Shiko struck Ryu Tetsuma. So the first line, 
um, turning right, turning left, following other people. Um, he's talking about um, the way that we we get stuck in words, um, spun around by things. about this um, Shiko and Ryu Tetsuma. Um, Shiko was a, um, a, dis a disciple of Nansen and a Dharma brother of Joshu. He was the master of a sharp Zen spirit. Ryu Tetsuma was a nun and a disciple of Isan. She was famous for her shrewdness in Dharma battle. Many had mortifying experiences with her. Ryu was her family name. Tetsuma was a nickname. Tetsu Iron Ma Mill. So um, sometimes translated into English as Iron Grindstone Ryu. Ryu Tetsuma signifying that she pounded her opponents in Dharma battle like an iron millstone grinding wheat into flour. One day Ryu Tetsuma appeared unexpectedly before Shiko, who said, Are you not Ryu Tetsuma? You are warm, answered Ryu Tetsuma. And then he asked, Do you turn right or left? You, don't overturn. That was her response. But a Dharma co contest is an exacting matter, this Sekita writing. Before she had finished speaking, she was struck by Shiko, and it is said that she should have dealt the blow to Shiko herself when he asked, do you turn right or left? All these questions that um, offer, uh, do you do this or do you do that? Yes or no? They're, um, they're set up as traps. So this um, this this um, the verse refers to this this story about um, Shiko and Yutetsuma. And Yutetsuma was was um, uh, a an adept herself. Uh, and yet, in this story, she gets she gets um, she gets struck by Shiko. What about that? What does that signify? Tenke writes, people who spin around on words and sayings getting nowhere are spun around by things. That goes without saying, but as a matter of fact, even people who have successfully passed through, like the nun iron grinder Yu, are not approved. The Zen master Shiko hit her. Secho uses this cane to say that he'll never give approval 
striking a blow. If you ask why one who is not spun around also gets hit, this is a method of overturning Satori bias and throwing it into the other, onto the other side. Um, you could just say, say there are no guarantees. is the meaning of bodhidharmas coming from the West? Sitting long and getting tired. We'll stop here and recite the four vows. The teaching you have received is offered freely. If you would like to make a donation to support the continuation of this podcast service or learn more about practice opportunities at the Auckland Zen Centre, please visit www.aucklandzen.org.nz.